We RSC podcast uh, opening week of spring ball edition. Gary Pasquitz joined by Daryl Rideau. And uh, Daryl, we're sitting here at spring break for USC right now. And so the team is off and the players are off uh, enjoying themselves. But we did have one week of spring ball practices last week and a chance to kind of get out there and see the team and get acclimated, see some new bodies out there. Uh, what was the first thing that jumped out to you when you went out there at spring ball? You know, it's always surprising because your emotions are always from the the, the season passed. Mm -hmm. And when you walk out there, you're um, reminded that many of those, that veteran leadership, guys like Sam Darnold are no longer on this campus. So the first thing that stands out to me is who's returning? How do they look? Do I see a transformation in their body? Mm -hmm. And then what is the energy level like now that, you know, some of the underclassmen are now stepping up into more defined key roles, which, which of those guys feel confident enough to stand out before their teammates and earn that trust and respect as they start, you know, kind of building, um, creating new building blocks for the off season. Mm -hmm. So my initial impressions was, man, how much depth, versatility, and now newfounded experience are we, are we noticing uh, due to the consistency of the offensive coordinator being in place mm -hmm. in T. Martin and then a third year under Clancy Pendergast as the defensive coordinator. You're starting to see guys really kind of take shape and take ownership to those roles and move and play very fast. I like what I saw so far. And then the, the, the comment that uh, Clay Helton made talking about, hey, we may not have superstars, uh, but we have depth. And right. we'll take that in two parts. Like you say, you walk out there, oh, no no number 14 out here. Right. Ooh, okay, we haven't seen that in a while. Yeah. Uh, so you got no Sam Donald, no Ronald Jones, but you are absolutely right, Dale. You, you, you look out there and pretty much, you know, every position group, maybe not running back right now, uh, but boy, when you, especially on defense, you look out there and there are just so many guys. So really anxious to see for the rest of the spring. But we talked about no Sam Darnold. Yep. And so one of the biggest talking points all spring is going to be the quarterback uh, battle. Let's uh, call it a competition yet because Clay has made clear, I'm not going to name a starter at the end of spring. Right. We're going to wait till fall camp. JT Daniels arrives in the fall. I like the move. I think it takes pressure off of Daniel, um, off of Fink and Sears. Sure. You're not, and you know, you're not sitting there worried about okay, did every throw matter right now in terms of the, the job being named at the end of spring? Right. No, just get better in spring. Right, right. And what what I love about about not making a decision or declaring that decision is it, it does give somebody like uh, JT Daniels an opportunity to come in, but for guys like Finks and Sears, now you can be aggressive. Yeah. You can attempt to make, you know, throws that perhaps you won't make if, mm -hmm. if the if the competition is very tight, you know. And and really, this is your opportunity to get a head start on taking command and leadership and getting guys to rally behind you when you're in. Now, because there is so much depth and versatility and these parts are interchangeable, the the challenge for both of these quarterbacks is going to be maximizing those reps, mm -hmm. taking advantage of it and not treating it as such a competition, but owning your moment and shining the same way that Darnold came in, very care uh, carefree mm -hmm. in terms of who he was competing against. It, it, I never got the sense that he was worried about the competition around him, but more so getting better and improving and building that connection and that chemistry with the receivers because the sum of all parts around you is going to elevate the play of these quarterbacks, regardless of which one ultimately earns that starting role. But so far, I, I thought that there were some bright moments, mm -hmm. and then there were some moments where you can tell that the defense was just a little bit ahead of 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 um 
of the offense in, in terms of their play and their production and give a lot of credit to, to these quarterbacks to compete throughout that practice. Mm-hmm. The ones that at least that we attended and we saw, okay, things didn't go so well early on, but you know, come competition time, they were able to make some critical throws and, and really try to take advantage of some key pockets that the defense was able or that they were able to exploit on the defense. Yeah. I think both of these guys are, are, are interesting with what they bring. Um, you know, they, 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 they have a lot of skills and there's a reason that they're here. So I'm just I'm really anxious to see yeah. these two go at it right in spring as we get a little bit more to scrimmage situations. But, but, but Gary, um, as we're talking about, um, you know, Jack Sears and Matt Finks, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about what makes them what distinguishes them from one another. Yeah. They're both mobile or edgy. Um, quarterbacks that can really kind of exploit you know the side uh you know that side of the ball if given an opportunity but of them two i think that they do have two contrasting styles that makes them a little special oh i I, no no doubt about it i think one thing we are going to see is a little more of a running element from the quarterback position i i I do think both those guys do that i think we'll have that uh i i kind of compare them this way matt fink is a good athlete who's playing quarterback Okay. Jack Sears is a quarterback who just happens to be a good athlete. Right. Um, and, and that's not disrespectful to either one. I think with Fink, boy, his athletic skills are so there, Daryl. Yeah. Um, this this is a good-sized kid. He's really, really aggressive out there on the football field. There's right. a lot of intensity to his game. Um, but what I, what, what I see in him is a guy who has grown into this position to be here right now and to be ready for this spot. The, his teammates love him. They really gravitate to him. He has that kind of style to him okay. uh, when he's out there on the football field. Where he probably needs to improve the most is just the accuracy of his arm and the consistency sure. of his arm. Sure. It's a good arm. It just needs to get a little more polished. Well, what I, I've observed watching him is the athleticism oftentimes um, it, it almost exploits his quarterback prowess in the huddle. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is when the pocket starts to collapse, you see him wanting to move out and right. rely upon that athleticism to give him time. You know, versus standing in the pocket and really having a presence and relying on the rhythm of, you know, of the offense to kind of throw you right. Mm-hmm. So when, when you take that into perspective, that only equates to not having enough reps under center. Sure. And really kind of feeling comfortable in, in, in understanding what throws you make really well and how guys respond to where you place the ball. So until then... In, in tight competition where maybe some of the reps are reduced down, we are going to see more of his athleticism, and that may wow us. But what is best for the team may be you know, uh, areas where he we're going to see him grow in, mm-hmm. which has become more comfortable playing in the pocket and working through those progressions from there. Right. And not to take anything away from him because his strengths is what got him here, but I think that the more reps he continues to, to receive, we're going to see a more rounded quarterback come out of him. I don't think there's any question about that. And then you look at Jack Sears. To me, Jack is just one of those guys, you see him over there in the corner and he's just, he's quiet, he doesn't really drive but when he gets on the football field, the guy just knows what he's doing. Right. And I don't think, and, and you look at that, and I think that's going to be so much to build on. Um, he had one play where he made a jump pass. He came up to the line of scrimmage and made a jump pass. Up. And it was so similar to the one that Darnold made against Texas to Stephen Carr. Right. And it's just, yes, that's Jack Sears. Yeah. That's what he does. Right. I think he is you know? such a natural quarterback. I really, this kid has me really intrigued. Yeah, right, and and I know that 
we can't rank them right now in terms mm-hmm. of who's going to be the starter and who's going to back up what. But, you know, naturally competition brings the best out of you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think with a guy like Sears, who who does oftentimes feed into the game and the instincts starts to kick in. I, I think he is one of those, you know, field rats, those gym rats yes. that, that that is a gamer, you know. And so I'm curious to see come first spring ball uh, competition when they're on opposite sides of one another and they're kind of getting into the flow of a, a 5, 10, 12 play drive. You know, what are we able to see out of him? Does the leadership start to come out? Do we see those subtle adjustments when he notices that a receiver may be out of position? Mm-hmm. I'm looking for the subtle body language that shows that you have a command of the offense and that you know what you bring to the table. That, to me, is, is what's going to separate either Sears or Finks. Right now, it's too close to tell because practices are scripted. Uh-huh. And so, you know, they're kind of coming in. They get a couple of plays, and then they're rotating through. Let's let's see what kind of no happens as it. spring ball progresses. No doubt yeah. about it. And then one thing you talked about is uh, right now there are only, well, for the first week, there was only one right. t- true tailback, and that was Aka Cedric Ware. Right. Uh, Right now, Vavai is battling a hamstring injury, and Stephen Carr is obviously out with a back issue. Yep. Uh, so we've seen Dominic Davis and Vellis Jones uh, come over to the backfield to, to get a test run. Right. And I, hey, let's throw some fly sweeps with them, see what happens. Yep. Uh, but you talked about as we were getting ready for the, prog- for the podcast how the lack of depth at running backs could impact things for the wide receivers, and you think maybe in a positive way. Right. Well, as it stands for the running backs, guys like Aka Cedric Ware and Dominic Davis, who for, him, for Dominic Davis, he He's been somewhat of a journeyman Throu- mm-hmm. throughout his tenure at SC. We've seen him um, working out in the secondary at times. We've seen him, you know, um, used as a third down specialist receiver. Mm-hmm. And then we also seen him, you know, at spurts in the backfield. Okay. Aka Cedric, where both of those guys have very low tread on those tires oh, simply sure. because they've been in the system for a while, but they haven't had a chance to showcase their skill set. Season like this or spring ball like this where you're, you have limited depth at the running back position gives them an opportunity to kind of figure out what they're going to do well and, and what type of run plays are best ca- uh, <clears throat> best structured for their running style. However, you can't afford to wear them down in spring ball either. Mm-hmm. So in a situation like this, Gary, I do believe that this gives T. Martin as an offensive coordinator the versatility now of, uh, of trying different type of combinations very strong the depth at the receiver position now we might see you mentioned um Valus jones being in the backfield utilizing him the same way that norm chow used reggie bush early in his career mm-hmm. or a dory jackson was oftentimes spotted in the backfield you got a chance to put oper- um certain type of alignments on the on tape that you can now exploit going into the season giving guys um, new roles will also keep them engaged sure. because they are so deep at the, the receiver position and reps may be limited as quarterbacks, you know, the, the quarterback competition will either stall the drives in practice or extend drives until you get a, a solid uh, number one, which we won't find out until the summer. This is a unique opportunity to, to force the receivers to learn more than just their own position. Mm-hmm. And the more that they understand about how the offense comes together, the more engaged you'll see them, and I think that only benefits the strength of this core group. So far, we're seeing uh, obviously Vons and Pittman as the number yep. one guys outside. Uh, Trayvon Sidney making a nice impact uh, at the slot receiver so far. Yeah, uh, I, I like I like what that young man is showing. I, I do too, and what I what I love is the burst of speed that he brings to the table. Mm-hmm. I, I think that he can become a, a matchup nightmare. Uh, I also think that we're, he's just scratching the surface as how good he can be. 
playing in that slot, though, there's a lot to learn. And once he gets comfortable with finding pockets, I, I think we're going to see versatility come out of him. We may also see him in that fly series that USC has in their offense, mm-hmm. but doesn't always have the right personnel on the field to be able to take advantage of that. But a guy like him could, can definitely um, – take the top off the defense. I like it. What's your thoughts on, uh, okay, so we bring Dr- Tim Drevno in to be the running back coach. Right. Uh, he was here before as an offensive line coach. He had offensive coordinator experience at Michigan. Didn't really work out up there. Yep. Uh, but the impact that he's going to have on the USC run game, on the offensive line, as a compliment to T. Martin back there, another former offense coordinator voice. Yep. Um, yeah. Your thoughts? I, I really believe that the addition of, of Drevno Benefits this offense. You, you you talk about a guy like T. Martin. Obviously, he is now the sole voice in the room. But having the eyes of of a Drevno assisting him in the in the the game time preparation and not competing against him goes a long way. Bringing that additional offensive coordinator experience to the room and understanding the cadence cadence and patterns of calling plays um, will only benefit this team. Now, what I love is, where is he coming from? He's coming from Michigan, under Harbaugh. What system is Harbaugh running? The same system, likely, that Shaw is running at Stanford. So bringing that blocking scheme to USC mm-hmm. with these big bodies is, like I said, is only going to benefit the running game, but it's going to restore a sense of power running game that I think that USC has been lacking despite there have been discussions and talks over the years about getting back to a, a dominant running style. I, I do believe that with Drevno there, we may now see the resurgence of a fullback or at least a U-back tight end in the backfield to create those six, seven, you know, um, offensive linemen mm-hmm. slash fullback um, blocking schemes. So I, I love, I love the fact that you know he seems to fit quite nicely. He has chemistry with this coaching staff, at least the core of it. I think we're going to see the best uh, of this offense as it, as it pertains to having more of a balanced attack. And then let's flip it over to defense right now. Uh, we were not sure how much we were going to see Porter Gustin this spring. Right. We get out there the first week, he's the one leading drills. He's the one putting all the energy in there. Right. He's saying he's fully healthy out there. Daryl, through the first week of fall camp, I don't know if there's any, or spring ball, I don't know if there's anything better that we've seen than yeah. number 45 back out there healthy. And when, when you talk about Porter Gustin, I go back, uh, to the beginning of last season when the light bulb really hit and he just felt like he was in his element. And then all of a sudden, the one thing that he cherishes the most, you know, aside from going to class, of course, the one thing that he cherishes the most is stripped away from you. I, I tell you, you begin to realize when, when, when those games are taken away from you and those mm-hmm. practices are taken away from you, you start to appreciate going to practice, competing with the guys that are alongside of you. And right. that's what I thought I saw. I saw the resurgence, a newfound energy in Port Augustine, and boy, his body looks good. Doesn't seem to be showing any signs of weakness as it pertains to favoring, you know, um, the recovery of his of of his injuries. Having him healthy and watching him move laterally, his body on this football field is is an addition. But his leadership and the energy, him leading those drills you talked about, sets the standard, sets the tone. And when you talk about having you know big nasties up front on the defensive line, you still need you know you still need those alley cats um, at the linebacker position that is going to take no mess. And Porter Gustin is always giving you that sense that that he's one of those guys that that are cut from the same cloth of Clay Matthews and yeah, Ray Malauulu. No 
No doubt. And, and it's nice having him there alongside you. You see Cam Smith over there. Yeah. You know? But having Gustin, like you say, Gustin Porter's a different cat. He is. Down there. And so seeing that. But let's talk about another guy back there, uh, John Houston. Yeah. Weighing in at 228 pounds, Daryl. Feeling himself. I love it, Gary. I love it. And um, there's been a lot of talk and discussion about, um, you know, his offseason goals. And his mm-hmm. offseason goals was to beef up. He, you know, he preferably he wants to play around 230. Coaching staff would love to see him around 225, 230. Right. Just, just a solid, you know, um, extra little meat on those bones. Mm-hmm. Because when you're in the trenches, inside those A-gaps between the center and the, and, and the guards, when, when you get a lot of that action coming at you, you need, you need that little extra thump. Uh, to be able to not only absorb that contact, but deliver a blow. Right. And when you look at Houston right now, he seems to really be dialed in early on in the season, but that confidence of having game experience, but playing well in those games, right. it, it serves well. I've always known that, you know, he, he's a football prodigy, comes from a high football IQ family, and it, that resonates. But oftentimes your mind accelerates faster than your body matures, and his body is really starting to kind of round into shape. I'm curious to see what potential uh, is left within him because I think he's just scratching the surface on how mm-hmm. good he can be. I, I thought it was just really huge last year. Kevin Bruce, who does the defensively speaking column on the site, um, he was critical of Houston early in the year. Mm. And by the end of the year, he was joining. He's saying, hey, by the Brains, last half of the Brains, season, yeah. John, John was playing well. Yeah. And uh, and so that kind of recognition uh, because like from a I fellow said, linebacker, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, and it's interesting because I have a, a newfound respect for linebackers having uh, at least my time at USC started off as just an outside corner mm-hmm. being out there on the island. Very good. My ties and, and, and tequila drinks all day because you're out there, you know, virtually on an island all right. alone. But then when you move into the slot, Gary, and now all of a sudden you're getting those cowboy blitzes and you're blitzing off the C gap just outside of the tackle or the tight end, depending on who's in, you're in the trenches. And a guy like Houston, when you're in the middle of that action and and you have to make a quick decision, when that ball is snapped, if your body isn't physically ready to absorb, mm-hmm. you can get bounced around a little bit like a ping pong. And oftentimes, you know, even though your mind, like I said, is sharp enough to know where you're supposed to go based on your landmarks, your body is not always ready to absorb that that uh, that collision. Right. So putting that extra little meat gives them a little bit more confidence uh-huh. that, OK, you know, I'm the bully now. You don't you know, I'm not going to take it. You know, so I, I love the fact that he's coming in as the hammer and not the nail anymore. OK. And uh, hey, let's speak about uh, let's talk about corners right now. Um we get a late loss off spring ball. J- Jackie Jones is not going to yeah. be available. <laughs> okay. Can I just start with Let's this start one? with that. All right. Uh, love Jackie to death, okay? But he's the yin and the yang of my days. Each week, I just never know what, what personality is going to come out. He's the most egocentric player on this defense. Mm-hmm. And sometimes during the season, the, the defense seems to resonate with that kind of moxie, okay? But – when it's not caged, corralled, and it impacts his ability to develop. He, more than anybody else, converting from um, from part-time receiver and corner to a full-time cornerback mm-hmm. can benefit from an offseason where, as a corner, you rely heavily on your technique. And when you don't get a chance to now practice that technique, it puts a lot of pressure on, on, on camp as you're preparing less about your technique and more about developing a game plan and understanding the philosophy of what your defense is trying to do. Mm-hmm. But with Jack Jack um, out of practice and taking mental reps, 
that opens up doors for Isaiah Langley and Greg Johnson, guys that I'm really excited Jonathan about. Jonathan Lockett. And Jonathan Lockett. Having they, him back. How Mercy, you know, having him back and his smarts and his ability to to back up a Jane A. Harris in that slot to give mm-hmm. additional depth and versatility. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a rotation of Lockett perhaps maybe creeping up to the safety position uh, to spell tell as a free safety, not as a as, as a strong safety coming into the um, into the box. But I wouldn't be surprised if at some time we saw him in certain packages spell tell. And so that tail can maybe rotate over if the progression of these younger safeties don't elevate to the point where they're trusted by Clancy Pendergast. Right. Because it's not about the athletic ability of the safeties. It's more about, you know, can I trust you to make the right decisions out there? We've certainly seen that. But but with that that being said, uh, the depth of these receivers are really going to test the quality of these corners. But I love the fact that you have that versatility. And Mm -hmm. I'm not even talking about the ones that are coming in during the summer. So when when you're a guy like Jack Jones and – the starting job was virtually yours and you open up this window and you allow guys to compete, you better be careful not to get Wally pipped because it could vert. It could very well happen. It's not about your athletic ability as much as as it is. Can I trust you to do the right things Mm -hmm. and make the right decisions and and not make selfish decisions? And so I hope that a guy like um, Jackie Jones can learn from this situation. And I hope that it doesn't impact him to the point where you know, we don't um, where he doesn't come back more hungry and prepared to compete. But at the same token, he should not be rewarded with the starting position coming back. It should be a situation where he now has to earn his way back into the rotation mm-hmm. because he's virtually letting his teammates down by not being available. Sure. And, and right now, just to confirm it, it is Langley who was taking the reps all yeah. week uh, with, with, with the ones. Jokari Godfrey right behind him. Yep. Uh, Lockett in that mix as well. Like I say, just really good to see him back. Yeah. And then Greg Johnson taking the reps on the opposite side mm-hmm. behind Iman Marshall. You mentioned Marvell Tell. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. And I was just about to talk about the safeties. You yeah. know, um, we yeah, I, I mentioned Marvell Tell. He looks great. And, and you know what I love more most about him is you're talking about a savvy vet who has seen so much football. He's been on the good side of, uh, of games, and he's been on the bad side of situations. But over the last year and a half, mm-hmm. he's made more good plays than not. You know, And he's benefited most and, and earned probably the most trust from Clancy, being very dependable, very reliable. But he's starting to fill into his own, and he looks very impressive out there, just kind of giving command, mm-hmm. working around. And uh, there's another guy I want to mention, though, Gary. But before I do that, you had additional thoughts on 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 um on the safety. Oh no, I'm just on Marvell. Just how yeah. just emphasizing what you were saying. He just looks at a different level right now when you watch him out there. So calm. The first day, Clay said, oh, he's not going to be out here for the first week. Right. Uh, you know, Groin issue. Don't expect to see him. He shows up for the Thursday practice and in the first drill returns an interception for a touchdown that was picked yeah. by Cameron Smith. And it's interesting because when you're young, you rely so much on your athleticism to move around. And like when I when I was out there, I was like an Energizer bunny. Mm-hmm. I was running around. Maybe my teammates might have called me a Tasmanian devil because I was running reckless with the band in this now a guy like tell who's a savvy vet you can play with a tweaked injury because you know where you're supposed to be right and so you know you hold a little back 
because you rely more on your technique and your positioning to put you in plays to make plays. And I used to always admire the guys that can slow the game down that way. Tell is heading into that path where he can kind of find a zone and be very successful. But the guy that I'm probably most excited about, aside from the young puppies who are now sophomores in the system, mm -hmm. is, believe it or not, Akili Ross. Uh, Akili Ross. Yes. I thought that the way that he kind of found um, – his way into the rotation at the mm -hmm. end of last season mm -hmm. and was able to make a few necessary plays. I'm excited to see how he transfers that momentum into the competition and what role does he find himself playing? Does he compete for a starting job or is he like the 12th man off the bench coming in to give a lot, a, a lot of uh, energy, mm -hmm. you know, to a second unit. It's interesting you say that because the first day when Marvell was out, mm -hmm. it was Akili in, in the starting role, Bubba Bolden in the starting spot next yeah. to him. And then Akili would also take reps uh, as the number two slot corner behind a Jane. That's what I'm saying. You know, when you got a guy that's as versatile and that can play multiple positions, it just gives you depth, versatility. Mm -hmm. And that type of experience should give Clancy the confidence to interchange parts. And that's going to help getting that on film during spring ball because as you get into camp and you start game planning for a team like Texas, uh, a team like Notre Dame or Stanford, mm -hmm. you're going to want to know, okay, if I run my base coverage, do I have the personnel to be interchangeable to put beef on the field when I need beef and size on the field to, to match up? Or do I need to go smaller, leaner, and faster? The same way that, uh, that um, ISFA – you know, Christian Rec you know, Rector yeah, yeah. And, uh, filled in for uh, Porter, you know. Yeah. You, we're now seeing that type of versatility come in the secondary. Now, there's a lot of interchangeable parts, but the beauty of it is being in the same system for three years now mm -hmm. is these guys know how to communicate non-verbally. They can, they can make signs to one another, look at one another, and, 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 and really understand how to play off of one another. And, and there's no substitute for experience playing next to each other. That chemistry bolts extremely well for this group. And, and Clay has mentioned that many times this spring, the communication yep. uh, in the secondary. I mean, I'm sorry, just in the overall defense yep. being something that he's just thrilled with. Uh, and he keeps on hammering continuity of co coordinators. Right. And that's certainly a point where it winds up. Because like you say, look at it down there, the interchangeable parts. And now you're able to, after getting that look at Jordan Neosefa, yes. you're now able to flip him over and he's running with the ones taking over for Uchenna right now. Right, right. And, and, <laughs> and there's a lot to be said about that yeah, because and, now and, he's very comfortable with it. And, and, uh, and Gary, I asked John Houston, I asked Houston, I said, you know, is there is there a difference when you're playing on the left side of the center versus the right side? And he says, well, what do you mean? You know, I, my keys are the same. I said, well, yeah, as a corner, when you play on the right side versus the left side, the way that you see the ball come across your face left to right or right to left, mm -hmm. you develop a dominant side, a dominant foot, a dominant plant foot. But when you start mixing guys interchangeably, they develop similar skill sets on both sides, which makes them very versatile because when you're looking for a guy like Porter Gustin to come off the edge mm -hmm. and maybe the, the matchup is better if you flip him now where Chino Usu used to be like you're doing Iosefa, that now gives you an opportunity to game plan and isolate offensive players to exploit their weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I love the fact that guys aren't just kind of settling for roles, but are forced now to learn interchangeable parts and understand, you know, what they can do well and what techniques they need, they need to use if they're on the opposite side. And again, all of this benefits and bolts extremely well for the depth of, of this team. Um, 
our um our message boards have always complained that Clancy doesn't go deep enough in the in the um no doubt about it on on the defensive roster and get guys out there. Uh-huh. I think that that will change as competition forces him now to get more guys on the field. You, and you look out there and you know okay you've got Cameron Smith and he's obviously your lead guy behind him you've got a Levi Jones yeah you know a Taylor Katoa you know John Houston and these right. guys are back there and boy Lord knows you've got some uh, linebackers coming in in the fall. But like you say, it's everywhere back there on defense right now. Look at someone you talk about interchangeable parts. Moving Connor Murphy inside, a move that I think everyone was kind of saying, it's not working outside. Sure. Bulk him up and move him inside. Bulk him up That's and move him inside. That's what they're doing. You know, and, and him embracing that challenge. Yes. You know, and, and so I'm curious to see if we get the best out of him. Understanding what the difference is from outside to inside and, and, and commanding that two gaps. Sometimes guys think that they have to make the play. No, the, not every play is designed for you to make the play, but every – person on that defense has a role has right. a purpose beef up young man take that extra peanut butter and jelly sandwich before bed i can't wait to see what you, how your body transforms going into camp I, I look forward to it as well let's uh let, let's end this podcast talking about well talking about something as far as the current team right now we talked about the full roster right now yeah um and we saw a couple things in the first week that were different in terms of the way that clay helton has done things uh in the past couple of years, there has been an extended water break, yep. about two-thirds of the way through practice. That yep. is not there this spring. And then at the end of the practice, we saw the team do a bunch of up-downs and gassers. Yeah. And uh, you weren't uh, you, you had an interesting reaction to it, but the reason that Clay Helton was saying that they're doing those things, he goes, we have a full roster now, we're going to have a hard camp. Okay. But you made a comment when we were sitting there watching yeah. them. Okay. So if I'm looking at it from a coach's perspective, in the past, you were short on depth. Therefore, you tried to preserve the legs of guys. And there, there may be times where that may have come back to bite you mm -hmm. uh, against more physical teams. So now you want to flip the script and you want to get more gassers in and, and, and reduce the water break times. Okay? I don't have a problem with you reducing water break times if you're replacing that with more reps. Okay? But I do have a problem with you taking competition time out in running gassers gassers have never proved anything to anybody okay unless you're running gassers first and you're tiring them out mm -hmm. and now you're challenging them to see how how well can you play fatigued okay i get that but running gassers at the end of practice when you have a great uh, strength and conditioning program that could very well serve for that time i have always been a strong proponent that uh, practice time is practice time, and those extra reps are invaluable. Mm -hmm. Those are reps that you cannot get back, regardless of what you think. They're measured. So I, I, I scratch my head at that. But again, there's many times in under the uh, Helton tenure that I've scratched my head, but the results have ended up positive. For example, I've been conditioned to noise in practice and swag on the sideline. He converted it into more of a professional outlook. Mm -hmm. There's something that he researched that led him to believe that running gassers at the end of practice would, would be equivalent to uh, creating discipline. How that translates, I'm not sure yet, but again, who am I to measure uh, his philosophy when he's putting together the program the way that he sees is best fit for him, not today, but to, to, to hit a championship run, Gary. But I, th I think as part of it, when, when you whether the words ring true or not and show themselves for the rest of spring and into the fall, when you hear him say, I, I want to have a hard camp, um, okay, coach. Yeah. Let's, let, let's see it. 
That's yeah. a big word to toss out there because um, that's that's probably the biggest thing that USC fans are looking at right now uh, in terms of taking that next step is that physical element, right. that hard toughness to your program. And so when you're throwing out that out there on day one, I can tell you this, Daryl, I paid attention to it. Right, right, right. That is what I'm looking to see. Okay, and, and if we're going to give him credit in terms of backing that up, a hire like Tim Drevno is a step in the right direction because we are expecting from Drevno that this offensive line will block with more of a physical style and away from the isolation zone blocking, right? So they're going to be running, you know, blocking downhill as opposed to on skates. We'll see. So we'll, we'll see. The verdict is out there, but so far I thought it was a good two days to stack off of. Yeah, I, I think that is good, but I think we'll also say that we are uh, we are squarely in the state of Missouri on this one as far as the show-me state right? Uh, to see for the rest of spring ball where this goes. But it, it was a good first week. Can't wait to see them get out. Uh, give, give me something that you may be looking to see this spring, any player you're hoping to bop up, anything that you really... Uh, Bubba Bowden. Yes. I am ready for this kid. I was salivating on over him when he got on campus. His progression didn't quite transfer the way that I thought it would, mm -hmm. but his potential is still untapped. I agree with you and on that. And I cannot wait to see what this kid looks like um, now that he's going to have a chance to firmly compete for some playing time. Mm -hmm. You know, own it. That's what I want to see, and then I and then I also want to see um, Imator Bebe. I want to see a healthy him in in in, in um. In you talking camp? Josh or Daniel? Both. Yeah, really. I'm sorry. Yeah, but mainly Daniel, <laughs> but Josh too, because I, I thought he's starting to come around. But I want to see the tight end position really utilized the way that we saw it used at the end of two seasons ago against Washington when when he raised havoc against Washington mm -hmm. and also in the Rose Bowl against Penn State. Yeah. I want to see that version of, of a high-caliber tight end, and I think Daniel possesses that when he's healthy. And, and I just think the, the unfortunate part, because I'm going to go with Josh Fallow. Uh, okay. Okay. Because Clay, Clay saying, "Hey, we're, we're we don't know what's going on with Daniel. We're we're going to arrest him." Um, okay, Josh, you talked about Bubba Bolden. Opportunity yeah. is in front of you, boy. Josh, you you showed us some flashes last year, right. some really exciting stuff. Yeah. And so, if you're going to have as much opportunity as anybody, and there, there were two down downfield throws last week that I remember uh, to him. Um, You've got yeah. Tyler Petit, you've got yep. Croman Hoke, uh, you've got some other guys. I get that. But, boy, yeah. I just think this is a chance for Josh yeah. to really set himself up. And then one more person, Gary, uh -huh. Vaughn. At the receiver position, will he step up and become the number one before some of these freshmen come in and assert themselves as a number one? Because it Tyler Vaughn's? Tyler Vaughn's. Oh, I, I'll bet on him. Yeah, you sure. Know, I, I want to see him own the room and, and really be that go-to predominant receiver. No, no, but do, do, do you think – I think this might be the year that we have two, that you may have Pittman and Vaughns as co. I don't know. I'm not feeling Pittman as a okay. number one. Okay, I'm, I'm not. Okay. okay. I, I think that he could be a good Robin, but I don't think he's a number one. And, and that's, but a, I that's think a hell the kid, of a good Batman and Robin I if you got it. I think the kid in modern, coming out of modern day – Oh, of course. I think he is as good as advertised. Yeah. And as, as soon as he learns the playbook and steps on campus – it's going to be hard Done. to take your eyes off. I, I, I agree with that. And then the one guy who I think is a, out there right now, Randall Grimes. I'm very yeah. anxious to see where right. he goes. You look at him. That's a size-wise, that kid's yeah. everything you want. Yeah, no doubt. And it, it, I'm all ears right now because it's been a while since SC has really had, you know, those marquee receivers that, that could take advantage of the red zone and, and force matchup situations for other teams. 
and I think you're getting that now, like you say, when you when you see what Grimes is yeah. and, and these other guys, when you see Devin Williams coming in, yeah. that's, that's all this guy is. And then we were at the opening camp yesterday, Brew McCoy and wow. Kyle Ford, two local Orange County kids, who are your 6'3 guys right. going up and getting everything. It's no accident that that is what USC right. is going after right, right now at the receiver spot. You know, and, and you need that length and versatility mm-hmm. because those are your golden retrievers when you're a young quarterback and you're trying to break in. Right. They'll make you right. Just put the ball in, in, you know, in their vicinity and let them go up for it. And I, but I agree with you 100% on Amon Ra. The day that this oh young man God. walks in here is going to be something good. He's right. unique. And, and that's why I'm saying, Vaughn, your, num- your days are numbered in terms of asserting yourself as the true number one. Because when, when, he, when Amon gets on campus, uh-huh. it, it's going to open up competition. And it may take competition to another level. Oh, and I, I'll say this just for that. I'm good on where Tyler Vons is going. Right, right. I, I really am. So no doubt. This, this is going to be a lot of fun. All right, Daryl, that's a good recap of uh, week one. We will, uh, we will do this again next week after we got there for week two. For Daryl Waddell, this is Gary Pasquitz. You're listening to the We Are SC Podcast.